If you're a fan of the classic metal show and you've progressed past a flip phone, then you better have the CMS app on your phone. Get it today. It's in both the Google and iOS app stores. It's the CMS app. Get it? It's got everything you would possibly want from the CMS. So get it today and stay connected to the CMS. What's going on, everybody? It is Chris Aiken from Aftershocks. And just wanted to remind you before we give you this next great interview that you should be subscribed to the CMS Podcast Network, cmspn.com. That is the web address. You can watch, you can listen, you can subscribe. Everything you need to do to catch not only this episode, but everything that we've done in the past, it's all over there on the CMS Podcast Network, as well as great shows from the Classic Metal Show, Shockwave Skull Sessions, Talk To Me, and of course, Aftershocks TV. So sign up today and you will never be without entertainment again. All right, enough of this. Let me give you the interview you came here to see. All right, let's do it. All right, here we go. Let's, let's welcome to another episode of Aftershocks at AftershocksTV.com on the CMS Podcast Network. And joining us on this episode, we got a tag team effort from Brooklyn's metal power trio, San Hedrin, guitarist Jeremy Sosville, and vocalist bassist Erica Stoltz. Guys, thank you both for coming on today. How are you guys doing? Great. Cool, cool. Awesome. Very good, man. Well, first off, I want to say congrats to you guys on your signing now with Brian Slagle and the legendary Metal Blade Records, man. Very well, cool. Very cool, man. I mean, one of the first labels, obviously, to spearhead the genre back in the early 80s. And, uh, you know, they've been around for 40, almost 40 years, I think, now. So just want you to start off, tell us a little bit about how you wound up connecting with Brian in order to now be rostered on the uh, iconic Metal Blade Records. You want to field that one, Chair? I didn't get it because I... My technology is not working, so. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. You, so you didn't hear the question this guy just asked? No, I heard something. I heard the intro to the question, and then it died. Okay. <laughs> I'll, you know, I can repeat it. Yeah. Can you hear me now? Sorry. Okay. No, it's okay. Uh, how do we get on Metal Blade, Jeremy? Yeah, there we how? go. Tell you guys, yeah. Just tell us a bit how you guys wound up connecting with Metal Blade. And... Well, we had... There were a few people that I at least personally had spoken to who were very encouraging of what we do. And we're just like, you should, you know, try to see if you can jump up in terms of, you know, the label we were on is Cruz del Sur. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're awesome, but it's a, it's a pretty small operation. And um, there, there's going to be a ceiling at some point with them if we continue to grow. Um, you know, Enrico, the, the boss man there, he has his own, you know, goals with the label. And we just kind of wanted to see if, uh, anybody was, uh, interested that may have a bigger scale and to see if that could give us, you know, some new opportunities. Okay. And so we reached out to a few people who knew a few people and conversations were had and here we are. Unbelievably, if you ask me, I still quite, <laughs> quite surprised and, you know, humbled by it. Sure, just got to pinch yourself. Yeah, no, it's it's a great, yeah. uh, great label, obviously. And like I said, congrats. So, um, let's talk a bit about the band's initiation because you guys are both from such you know very different uh, backgrounds musically. I mean, both you know in the hard rock and metal arena, but both different you know styles and genres you're from. From it, I mean, Jeremy, obviously, you're known from you know 
black anvil which is more of a rooted in black metal and eric of course you're from 90s you know uh you guys were more of like an alternative stoner psychedelic sort of thing i mean you guys have your own thing going both bands are fantastic how did this musical musical union between the three of you and st henry sort of occur considering you guys are so, you know from such different musical backgrounds well um the the missing piece is nate nate is our drummer and mm -hmm. nate was a colleague of mine for years on an audio crew at the opera house at brooklyn academy of music where okay. we would do sound checks and I would, he would literally be playing the drums, checking the drums, you know, and I was like, damn, kid, you're a good drummer. Yeah, he is. <laughs> told him at one point, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing here? You need to be working <laughs> as a drummer, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and then fast forward like 10 years and we're in this band together and he's my drummer. And Jeremy... Um, and Nate had been in a band together prior to either one of them. And our, our past kind of converged, really. And Nate is the common thread. I was playing with Nate uh, for probably five years or so, um, just kind of trying to get something off the ground. And then he would always say, well, maybe sometime we'll have my friend Erica come down. And, you know, that was like quite a while before it actually happened. Then it actually happened. And um, not long after that, we kind of realized we had more than just a, a after work project on our hands. We had like a real band that, you know, we wanted to see where that momentum would take us. And so far it's been pleasantly surprising. Very yeah. cool, man, very cool. Well, let's, um, let's talk about, you know, the music, uh, you know, in your last record, The Poisoner, you know, which is a great record. Um, and in my opinion, I mean, it definitely has a more of a traditional sort of classic metal bass sound uh, compared to the first record, you know, A Funeral for the World, which to me sounded a little more, had more of that doomier vibe to it. Is that, so is this, this more classic metal direction? Is that, is that kind of what you guys are, you know, going for now? You got to kind of continue the mix to, you know, the two of them up because, I mean, both records definitely have elements of both those sounds. But it seems like one, you know, tends to lean in one direction, you know, on each one. So is this sort of where you guys are going now? You're kind of getting away from the Doom stuff and going more towards the classic traditional metal stuff? Um, I don't know that we have a particular direction okay. like that. I, I think each album kind of develops its own personality. Like the next record kind of keeps elements of those two first albums, but we're also exploring some new territory, you know, in that album will have its own personality. There'll be some of those elements you speak of, but there'll be some new mm. stuff as well. Okay. Cool. Sure. Now, Absolutely. now when, when you took, when you went and you, you spoke with um, Brian Slagle or whomever at metal blade, did you have to share with them the new music that you like the demos or what, what yeah. not, or did they sign you based on what they had heard in the past? Uh, they were, they were interested based on the first two records and, you know, the work we put in. We did a lot, quite a bit of touring last year. Well, not this year, obviously. Uh, last year. And uh, so they they knew what we were about, but they did ask to hear some demos. So we recorded six songs we sent them, that yeah. most of which will probably be on the next record. 
uh, all of which was recorded remotely. Uh, the songs were written together, but then the pandemic happened and we had to get kind of creative on how, as to how we would make a demo actually come to be. Uh, so we sent them those songs and then, you know, they, they probably heard it and realized we weren't going to write a freeform jazz odyssey album or something. <laughs> and so, yeah, that from there, it, we were just talking terms at that point. Sure. Now, um, now when, when you guys write, you know, it, I'm always interested in this and, and it, it, I'm going to go sexist here, I guess, because it always seems that when you have a female fronted band, the female fronting singer ends up having a lot more input. And this is just more my experience from talking to a zillion bands. So Eric, I, I'll ask you and, and Jeremy, feel free to jump in on this as well. Do you take a lot more of that lead as the, as the singer, because there will be so much more emphasis put on you as the singer being a, a female singer versus, you know, when you throw a, throw another band up there that has a guy, they, they tend to not get as much of a, as much attention, negative or positive on them. That's a big question. Um, I don't think I do because the way I see myself as a musician is not as a female, but as a musician, sure. you know what I mean? So, um, the way that we've worked out the, the, the work distribution in this band, um, creatively, right, uh, is pretty equitable. Uh, okay. yeah. I think we have a three-way split here, kind of, like even Steven. Don't you, Jer? Yeah, we usually, you know, any particular song starts typically with one or two of us, you know, coming into the room with something. But it doesn't take long for it to become like a totally collaborative thing. I, I've had, I'll come in with a group of riffs that sound together, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, I don't know what Erica's going to hear for a vocal melody. Or I'll say, I don't know what Nate's going to hear as a drum beat. There's been times where I hear a drum beat in my head, and then I bring it to rehearsal. He plays something totally different. And I'm like, oh, shit, that was even better than anything I would have thought of. So, yeah, I would say the seed gets planted by one or two of us, but it doesn't take long for it to become, you know, a completely collaborative effort most of the time. But I also like, I don't really think of myself necessarily. And that's part of why I like being in three piece bands to be honest, because it's, it's really important in a three piece that everybody's really dynamic. And so sure. me being, um, the, the lead singer, um, can only do so much if Jeremy isn't rocking out next to me and Nate isn't doing what he's doing. You know what I mean? So yeah, the, the, there's a there's a big emphasis as individual participants on what can we do, you know, with our roles in the band to make the sound as large as possible with, you know, or as dynamic as possible uh, with the limitations of, you know, one guitar, one bass, one drummer versus, you know, having a keyboard player and, you know, some guy running around with a flute or something, you know, like, <laughs> but I think right. that 
the limitations actually spawn creativity. You know, sure. Sure. Any, sure. any form no, of art, really. So. No, I, and I agree. And, and, you know, the reason I was asking my question is not necessarily aimed at you guys doing this as much as everybody else in the industry kind of does this, whether you pick a band like, and I, you can go varying genres. You could go Hailstorm. You could go In This Moment. You can go Ginger. You can go all these different bands that are, you know, that that have a, a female front person and it always ends up and i could tell you i've interviewed all three and they all say well we're equal we're equal we're equal and you guys tell me are they equal or is the is the front lady front person the front woman the the lead of those bands i think in every case it it turns out that way maybe you know it's what because i think about women? the lead of, and i mean in a lot of ways I think it's the intellectual property. So whoever comes up with the song kernels tends, in my mind, to be the lead. Okay. And so, you know, and that and that is, you know, chord progressions and vocal melodies, right? Like the, that to me is like a kernel of a song. I think. And, what, sorry, what, Chair? I think maybe what we're getting to is maybe how those bands may be viewed publicly by people is that right what i don't even right. know i'm not familiar with those bands to be honest yeah, see, with you so i i think a lot of that is dependent on each band with, with certain bands maybe that's the way they want to market themselves or what have you we've mm -hmm. never had that issue and i think part of it is the three-piece element each one of us has very distinct personalities musically within the band that kind of you know there's not one thing that overpowers it over another i don't think okay mm. totally yeah but well, i write should... music and so does jeremy you know what i mean like like we both are songwriters in the process i guess so i wouldn't say that i would be the lead necessarily okay you know yeah sure mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, as I mentioned earlier, I know you both uh, have backgrounds in other, you know, successful hard rock and metal bands, you know, both great bands. So, Eric, I'll start with you. As I mentioned, you know, early, obviously, you know, you were part of the whole Bay Area, you know, the power trio uh, Lost Goat, which, I mean, you were based out of that mission scene there in the 90s, which I'm not sure if you've been there lately. It's not the same as I'm sure it was when you were there. Um but, um, you know, you guys had such a unique sound. Um, I always said it was like mutating, you know, Headbangers Ball in 120 minutes together. It was like, you know, you had this metal mixed with this really sort of Pacific, you know, Northwest guitar sound that Eric played. Um, had that really dirty psychedelic tone, which is really so unique and really cool. I mean, however, I feel like with, with San Hendrick, I mean, you're able, I think, to do more vocally now than you were able to do with Lost Goat because of maybe the style of the music. I mean, you're, I think to me, you're really able to sort of display more of your, your attitude, your power with the style of music that, you know, you guys play. What's a, what's been, I guess, the biggest difference um, in your opinion, in terms of your approach when it comes to your vocals with Sanhedrin and this type of, you know, music, this type of metal compared to what you did uh, with Lost Goat and pretty much, I guess, all the other bands you've been involved with since. Uh, I think I sing more in this band and scream less, probably. Okay. okay. <laughs> just to make it, you know, um, sure. everything intentional for me in this band. Mm -hmm. With Lost Code, it was all very just gut. It was all okay. just whatever my gut was telling me to do, I would do, you know, vocally, mm -hmm. musically, whatever. With this band, it's it's much like I think it's more. 
but I think that comes with just having a bunch of experience really, mm-hmm. you know? Okay. Yeah. I've been in tons of bands between Lost Goat and Sanhedrin. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've, I've been able to, to play around with um, what I like to do vocally. Sure. Do you, do you feel like you found your voice, you know, that the way you've wanted maybe say to always have kind of sounded like with Sanhedrin right now? Yeah. I do. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good way of looking at it. Yeah, I do. Yeah, very cool. Awesome, awesome. Uh, well, Jeremy, I mean, you're obviously, you currently play, you know, guitar in Black Anvil. Um, you guys' last record, you know, as was, I think, was was the best one you've done. Um, and I know, I mean, the two, I know the most popular track is May Her Wrath Be Just, which is great, but the title track, I think, is killer, too. Um, I guess, first off, so what's going on with, with, the, with that bit now? Are you guys writing and recording anything? Is there anything on the horizon? Well, uh, we just signed... Uh, to Season of Mist. We, oh, okay. Great. Uh, fulfilled our duties with Relapse and just decided to uh, try another route. Uh, so mm-hmm. we're pretty psyched to see what that brings. We basically have uh, the next record written. Um, we're just kind of waiting. I mean, me and Travis, the other guitar player, are living on the West Coast right now, which mm-hmm. that complicated things. And then this darn pandemic complicated further so uh sometime next year probably middle you know first or second quarter of next year we'll be in the studio making the next record and when that comes out we'll be at the mercy of the (laughs) the circumstance of the world i suppose sure absolutely do you feel like this is like with same thing with san hendrick is this more you uh, as a musician in terms of the, the the type of music you write and play naturally compared to what you do with Black Anvil, which is obviously definitely a bit more extreme in terms of, you know, the style and tempo of the music. Yeah. I mean, both are certainly a reflection of, you know, what I'm into, but the difference with Black Anvil and this band is that I, I co-founded Sanhedrin with mm-hmm. these was Black Anvil already had two records out when I joined the band and I was, a fan of the band and so when i was asked to start participating in it i gladly did so but with there there's already kind of there was already a template and i'm kind of putting my personality onto that template whereas this we kind of started from scratch so we could just really dig deep into what we wanted to get out of it but a lot of it is also the collaborative effort with the musicians you play with so true you know, the way Erica plays bass and the way Nate plays drums is uh, very informative to what I bring with my guitar playing. So okay, that's a, that's a big part of it as well. Awesome. I'm, I'm going to throw this one out to both of you just because I know you both have have or have had, you know, bands in the past. Or, and you obviously still have a Black Anvil now. Um, is San Sanhedrin your more musical project is this the place where you feel you can stretch out more musically than other bands other projects that you've done previously who's first uh i'll go so go first uh (laughs) i would say that uh yeah as as a guitar player i like a lot more things i'm interested in a lot more things than just playing heavy metal okay uh, and so when i'm playing by myself i like to explore other styles and then 
I feel like in Sanhedrin, I can incorporate a lot more of that maybe than I can in Black Anvil, although I do sneak in a little Skinner into Black Anvil when I get a chance to. <laughs> but like, yeah, I think with this, again, it's just a, it's a different journey. And I, I'm personally constantly obsessing and curious as to like what's next for Sanhedrin musically. Forget about the tours and the records and all that. It's like, what's going to happen the next time we get into a room with the ideas we've been emailing each other and stuff like that. So, sure. and yeah, there, there's a lot more sonic ground I'm probably able to cover as a guitar player uh, in this band than in Black Anvil because Black Anvil's dynamic in their own way, but it's certainly, you know, again, it's, it's, it's a certain type of template. You know, it's it, black metal is black metal and Sanhedrin has a probably a bit broader scope. We're based in hard rock and heavy metal, but, we can kind of do whatever we want while not betraying, you know, what we are as a band, I think. Sure. Yeah. I hear, hear. I think, um, wait, what was the question again? Can you re-ask the question? (laughs) (laughs) The question was, do you, do you feel like, like uh, Sanhedrin is, is a more open place for you to explore different music, musical ideas or musicality than previous stuff that you've worked on. Well, I don't think it's, I don't more stuff I've worked on, but I think what's cool about where we're at right now is we've reached a place, the three of us where nothing's off the table. Okay. Okay. For sure. There's no idea that's like too insane to at least try, even if on paper it sounds crazy. Every yeah. once in a while, one of those ideas uh, is actually magical. <laughs> like, Absolutely. A song, you know? And, you know, like I'm from an era where the subgenres exist, you know? So sometimes mm-hmm. people say, you sound like blah, blah, blah. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I don't know, you know, some of that stuff. So I feel a little bit kind of freed up by that also because, you know, like, have any preconceived notions about what a heavy metal band should be. Sure. We just have a, you know, between the three of us, we have pretty diverse tastes as individuals from each other. And then there's a lot of commonalities that we have that have nothing to do with heavy metal where, you know, we might one of us may shoot a reference to the other two about let's make it more, you know, like funkadelic Eddie Hazel right here. And then, you know, you know, which. And and we all understand that. Yeah. Sure. Now, um, obviously in today's world and even pre pandemic world, it's been a crazy weird place to make music as a profession. It's just incredibly difficult these days. And I'm curious now, you know, you guys, obviously you sign with metal blade. That's exciting. I, I got to imagine in some ways it's also scary that, you know, the big, th- the big fear of getting lost in the crush of the 900 bands that they have on metal blade, you know, there there's, there's always going to be that fear. So for you guys, what, what do you look for with Sanhedrin to consider this next record going forward? as a success is it 
sales? Is it the ability to get out there and play shows, you know, to travel? Is it to just, just getting people to react to your music? What, what, what will it be that a year from now, once the record's been out and, and you've been able to do what you're able to do, where you'll be able to come back and say, yep, that was a success or nope, didn't work here. Got to do something different. Hmm. Well, I think by the time we get the final mastered copy of the record in our hands, we've already had a success, at least in among the three of us, you know? Okay. And I feel like the writing of, process. Yeah. And then, like, yeah, like, do we really, like, the, we're lucky that our first two albums, we're, you know, we, we're, I mean, I, I'm quite satisfied with them to this day in terms of how they turned out with what they were. So I think in terms of bringing in a larger label into the fold and what that may do for us, I think it'll allow us to share that success with more people. Maybe, maybe it also gives us some, some, uh, I don't know, credibility or whatever with certain festivals we haven't been able to get a foot in the door with, or mm -hmm. maybe pitching us to certain tours that we didn't have an opportunity to be pitched for before. Like, We've been ready to do the work, and we've proven that. We put our own, our first record out ourselves, you know, mm -hmm. not knowing what was going to happen. So I think we're just trying to, you know, take what we're doing, which we are very proud of, and just try to see if we can get more people to experience it with us. Because the people that have shown themselves to be our fans to this point have been super loyal and super just you know encouraging to us and really i just want to broaden that to a larger scope if we can well i i can tell you for a fact one of those people is sitting right at the right in the top right of your screen because That's i've been me. hearing about your band <laughs> for i think about eight months uh, he's been talking, you got to hear this band you got to hear this band so it does seem like you guys have that when it, it seems like you guys are one of those rare breeds that it just takes somebody to get in front of for you to get in front of, to get them to, to want people to hear you. So, you know, hopefully that's what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, to us, that seems like the next logical step is to just kind of, you know, we, we know what we are, we know what we aren't and just get, I think people, they don't like you if they don't know you exist. <laughs> <laughs> well, absolutely. And also, I think we know how to work. Like, no. we have all worked in the music industry in different ways. So with the infrastructure of a label like Metal Blade, we mm -hmm. can do more of that work, I think. Right. We're you not going to stop working hard because we're on a bigger label. It, it just, yeah, it, it, we're hopeful that it just opens some new doors for us so that we can continue that push, but just, you know, maybe scale up a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, to, the thing about art is you can't make people like it. So, right. so, yeah. uh, but if we can get, get it to enough, you know, to, to more people, um, exactly that, that's really the that's the mission we're just trying to take what we do and share it with as many people as that may be interested in hearing it. 
Totally. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I have to, you know, since I got you guys on here, I got to ask you, you know, a couple of New York questions here, obviously, you know, you guys are from Brooklyn and, you know, Brooklyn, obviously, you know, anyone who grew up there in New York knows it's definitely the capital of metal in New York city. Uh, it's been for decades. I mean, obviously all the, you know, the Moors back in the day. I mean, obviously now you got St. Vitus there. I mean, a lot of bands, you know, just well, I, when I used to go see shows back there, I mean, I, like I said, Lemoore's, uh, just so many different places in Brooklyn. It's just been really the home of metal for New York City. And like when I was growing up there, you know, I mean, the thing was, is a lot of metal was not really welcomed in Manhattan. You know, so the bands had to go to the outer boroughs, had to go to, you yeah. know, New Jersey or go upstate or Long Island or wherever, you know, and and had to play because those clubs just yeah. didn't want it. It was mostly punk that was in Manhattan and not really metal. How are things today in New York City in terms of how metal is embraced? Is it still pretty, you know, extremely difficult to sort of penetrate those clubs in Manhattan and to get gigs as a metal band? You know, I think something's happening right now with metal and fashion, honestly, because I okay. teach high school and a lot of my high school students are coming in with Judas Priest and Iron Maiden shirts, not even knowing the music. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that heavy metal is about to or is enjoying a thing that kind of happened to punk in the 90s where the maybe the larger culture is starting to embrace it at least on some level as a fashion thing mm -hmm. does that make mm -hmm. sense well, yeah well, is it are you sure it's not that or it's not because the kardashians are wearing all those metal shirts and well i mean I, up? <laughs> I think that's the same side of the uh that's a different side of the same coin okay Right, but it, it could be the thing where that kid is buying a Judas Priest shirt, not knowing what it is and knowing it looks cool. Like we used, to, you know, we would buy records because the album cover was cool. Well, that's what it is. Yeah, it's like yeah, cool and any guy on the. Yeah, however many of those kids is going to get into it, and you guys know mm. as well as we do that once you get into it, you don't get out of it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, good and point. it's my job as a high school teacher to make sure these kids get into it. So right. good, very good. <laughs> <laughs> I like to hear that. <laughs> In terms of Brooklyn as a whole, it. it I mean. We, we see ourselves, we are from Brooklyn, but we want to be more known as a, you know, a, a act that transcends our local scene as much as we love it. Uh, mm -hmm. We want to, we're a touring band, you know, we, sure. we make records and we go on tour. Uh, that's our home base. Uh, but I will just say, thank whatever guiding spirits there are for St. Vitus Bar. Yeah. Because if not for that place and those fellas that run that show, uh mm -hmm. you know that i can't think of what we would do without them right now so and uh yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately they seem to be weathering the storm right now hopefully they can mm -hmm. be open when this is all over because well yeah as far as playing in manhattan the only times i've played there in recent years has just been you know cool support slots for bands coming in tour and playing those bigger rooms that are in Manhattan. But in terms of playing the clubs, it's still kind of the same. It's, yeah. they don't want heavy metal there so much. Not so much. Okay. No, we don't want them. Either. No. Sure. And I'll yeah. tell you, you know, like New York had a great scene when I was coming up, it was mostly hardcore and mm -hmm. some crossover, you know, some crossover, but not really, but it was mostly hardcore. 
And right, and that was what was going on mainly in, at like at CBS and in Manhattan. But then you had bands like Leeway, yep, and mm -hmm. um, they would play Lamars, Cro-Mags. Yeah, so there was like definitely a, a, a crossover. And when I came back to New York in two thousand three, I was like, "What the fuck is going on here? Like, what's happening, in New York?" You know what I mean? Like, where's the scene? And it took a few years for I don't know if St. Vitus was open then, but finally, when I when I finally found that place, I was like, "Ah, oh, okay, that's where the scene is." All right. Yeah. And it's kind of like what I imagine. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I used to live in Greenpoint, and I remember there was nothing there. I was living there in the mid '90s, and there was, I mean, nothing there. So it's funny going, going there yeah. now and just seeing all those neighborhoods in Brooklyn that have just completely changed. It's, it's, yeah. It if you were at Vitus, it's still a hike. Like you got to, you get off the G train, and, and you still got to walk like 15 minutes to, you know, <laughs> just yeah, not in the middle of town. That's for sure. Sure, no. But people yeah. still flock to it because it's probably like Lamore's was where. You know, it's in what was it like Sheepshead Bay or something? Sheepshead, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So like you, that's you know not out of the way if you're in Jersey, I guess. But if you're in, you know, Northern Brooklyn or Queens, parts of Queens, oh, it, it was, was yeah, it was, it was a, it was a thing to get there, you know. Yeah, but the community exceeds that stuff, you know. Sure. No, absolutely. So, I mean, so what's, I mean, I guess, yeah, obviously we got the pandemic and we don't know when live, you know, music's returning. So, I mean, what's next for you guys? When, when are you expecting to release something on Metal Blade? Is that, is that sort of are you waiting until, or is the label waiting until live music goes back before they put out your record or what's. Well, uh, they've been pretty optimistic. Uh, so they, we've, we've booked studio time for uh, late spring. Okay. And they're they're talking about perhaps a late 2021 release, depending okay. on the state of affairs. Um, we're just kind of of the thought that we'll make the record because it's just about ready to make. Okay. And then you know if if it makes more sense to push the release to when we can do some touring because re releasing a record around a tour and vice versa they feed each other. Yeah. Uh, that would be the preferred way, but you know there's just. Who knows what's what at all these days? Sure. Right. Yeah. We're gonna make yeah. a lot of videos. Yeah. Okay. Let me call. Are you gonna make? Well, I just saw you did just put out a new video, right? Like in October, I believe. I mean, you are you gonna go to the port? Just take uh, uh, songs from the Poison and, and make videos from there, or, or even from uh, the first record. Um, I'm working. We are working currently on a video for Funeral for the World. You are oh, very awesome. Love that song. Yeah, it's the, the, like video thing the is... most appropriate time for that. Sure, that's good point. <laughs> good point. Yeah. Well, we we did the first video because we were just like, we we want to stay connected. You know, like we can't get out there and, you know, you can talk to any of any of our fans who've come to see us when the show's over. We hang out. You know, we want to talk to them and connect with them. It's important to the band. Sure. And I think it's a big reason for our you know success to date and so this was just kind of a way to get around the the current bullshit uh, and so we're going to make another video which is going to be a kind of a different concept from a different record that's been out for a couple of years but mm -hmm. we you know there are no rules yeah <laughs> we, no. It's, it's, 
you know, we're just working with the content we have. We're trying to generate stuff that keeps people interested um, until we can get out there and play live again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Totally. Absolutely. Well, I mean, we, once again, thank you guys so much for coming on. Why don't you go ahead and just give the listeners, uh, let them know where they can, ch- you know, find your music and merch and all that good stuff that they can check out. Well, we have yeah. a website which is sanhedrin.nyc and on that website you can find links to everything uh you know the youtube channel the spotify you know links if that's your thing if you're into bandcamp which we strongly encourage bandcamp is uh the most important platform uh, that this band has and many Absolutely. other uh shout out to them uh so www.sanhedrin.nyc uh, it's just the place to to kind of find out everything about us. Fantastic. All right. Well, Jeremy, Eric, thank you guys so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Can't wait to hear that new record and the new videos you're putting out. And uh, when you do, when you get that record out, we'll definitely have to have you guys back on to talk awesome. more about it. Thanks, you guys. All right. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for listening to Aftershocks. For more episodes, go to our website at www.aftershockspodcast.com. Visit us on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages for more news and information on the podcast. And be sure to subscribe, listen to, and review all episodes on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all other podcast platforms. For your music listening pleasure, visit our website or go to www.shockwavesradio.com. For all comments and questions, please email us at info at aftershockspodcast.com. All right, everybody, another great interview right here on Aftershocks TV. And before we go, just want to remind you one more time, make sure you get over and subscribe to the CMS Podcast Network, cmspn.com. You can watch, you can listen, you can subscribe to everything that we do, not only us, but uh, the classic metal shows, Shockwave Skull Sessions, uh, Talk To Me. It's all there. One site. Get four great shows. Never have to do anything again, but be entertained. So check it out. uh, CMSPN.com. 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 Until next time, folks.